Believe in the process. It is possible to recover, but don't change the original recipe. And uh, uh, give up on yourself as your own solution, because if you look in the rearview mirror, you have failed uh, over time. You may have had periods of uh, short recovery, but you've not had sustainable recovery. Food Addiction is a podcast which explores the disease of food addiction and presents the solution. We interview professionals and counselors who specialize in the disease of food addiction, and we interview individuals who have successfully recovered from food addiction and discuss how they did it. Esther Helga Goodmans-Dotier was motivated to change careers after she recovered from food addiction by opening a food addiction treatment center and the INFACT School, the world's first and only sugar and food addiction counseling training, which offers a recognized certification. Check out the website for more information on obtaining this certification, as well as proven recovery programs at infactschool.com. Listen to these episodes as we discuss the problem and the solution around food addiction. I'm Susan Branscombe. I am a recovered food addict and the host of this podcast, Food Addiction, The Problem and the Solution. My guest today is Dr. Gutorm Tovarud. Welcome, Dr. Tovarud. Thank you so very much. I'm honored and humbled to be a guest. Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to this. So I'm going to introduce you with your bio and the uh, that we've put together based on the various sources, talk about your work, and dive into some questions. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Good. Dr. Tovarud has a PhD in counselor education from UNC, which is University of North Carolina at uh, Greensboro, Greensboro, North Carolina. He has a master's degree in agency counseling from Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. He is currently a consultant in, a, in his own company, GT Consulting. The company provides substance abuse and dependence consulting services within treatment, clinical supervision, program development, assessment and diagnosis, and educational programs. He spent his career in education and conducting workshops regarding substance abuse and dependence. Dr. Tovarud has conducted workshops for 30 years in both Norway and Sweden, and more than 10,000 people now have participated. He is a specialist in using the 12-step model for treating substance and behavioral addictions, allowing individuals to learn how to live life on life's terms. He teaches at Esther Helga Goodman-Stotier's InFact School. Uh, this podcast is an InFact School podcast. Uh, the course he teaches is entitled Professionals Applying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. His portion of this training is 50 hours for the InFact School. And of course, uh, classes start uh, this September 2023. The website is infactschool.com to learn more about classes and obtaining a certification in the treatment of food addiction as a counselor. So in my research, uh, Dr. Tovarud, um, to prepare for this pro uh, podcast, I've listened to a lot of hours of your lectures, not 50 hours, but a lot of hours of your lectures. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very good. I've uh, I've benefited from the detailed and informative uh, instructions. Thank you. Yeah. For those listening that may not know the big book, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous was written in 1939 and has instructions around using a 12-step program for recovery from addiction. The 12-step model from the big book, which is the instructions, the format, the program, 
has been used in many substance abuse and behavioral addiction recovery programs, including, of course, alcohol addiction and food addiction recovery programs. It is one of the 100 most published nonfiction books in the world, having surpassed 50 million copies. The course that Dr. Toverud conducts centers on the context steps, the action steps, and the fourth dimension of existence, demonstrating how professional counselors can increase their understanding of the 12-step program and the use of 12-step fellowships as a resource. The course format is based on using the big book as a foundation for treatment. Did I get that right? You did. That was an amazing summary. <laughs> well, I kind of worked on it. I took from several different sources, but I think I, I think I captured what you do and your, and your work. So start uh, by talking about the work you have done and the work you do. Talk about that. We'd love to hear it. Well, thank you very much. And again, I'm uh, honored to be a guest on uh, Esther Helga's podcast uh, program. I, I'd like to uh, start off uh, by uh, uh, coming with a disclaimer. Uh, I do not speak on behalf of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, and no one does. And uh, that's uh, one of the reasons that they actually wrote the book and published the book in 1939 was uh, that uh, they didn't want the word of mouth uh, to uh, to represent what they what they wrote, and then subsequently, uh, uh, it is conference approved uh, literature, and uh, both the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and most other twelve step fellowships uh, do not want personal representatives. So uh, my uh, my focus is that uh, we are professionals applying yes. using what is written. And therefore, we're uh, in many respects bound to uh, what is uh, written. And uh, in the uh, in the introduction and the prefaces of the book, it it it, it uh, states that in this fourth edition, that part of the book which explains the twelve step recovery program is more or less unchanged from nineteen thirty nine. Yes, and so uh, all of us that are twelve-step counselors, uh, everything was decided uh, in 1939, and what we are to uh, convey in a clinical setting and from a therapeutic perspective. We have nothing to do with the fellowships, and uh, and therefore it's it's an application we've chosen as professionals to use this book. Uh, in our clinical work with uh, with clients. So mm -hmm. again, I do not represent uh, AA or any other 12-step program. This is a clinical uh, application. <laughs> I understand that and I I understand the reason for saying that and uh so but it is a textbook uh you know, so and you use this textbook to train professionals on how to counsel their clients. So Talk about that work that you've done all these years. Is it 35 years you've done it? So for, yeah, so for 35 years, I have been uh, using this book. I sort of say that I've been hiding out in Scandinavia, uh, <laughs> trying to fine tune uh, how to actually use what is written in the textbook, not only in a clinical setting, but also as, as a profession. 
And uh, then after I met uh, Esther, she asked me if I would be willing to uh, to expand into an international uh, uh, audience. And initially, I was hesitant, but you can't say no to Esther. So I agreed to do that, and it has actually opened up a whole new uh, world uh, for me and and I realize in uh, that uh, other people besides Norwegians and and Swedes can actually benefit from the work that that I have done. And and since I do have a a, a doctorate degree in in a counselor education, I've been able to to uh, unlock. Uh, some of these uh, codes that uh, that are uh, in the book in terms of using it as our manual yeah. and uh, and and it's very uh, interesting how we can then uh, start at the beginning of the book and that's what I do in the lecture series and then I demonstrate we read this out loud and then we say this and then I say, but now you can't say this because it's coming up later, but you need to know now that in three pages, they're going to come back to this particular point. So you need mm-hmm. to highlight that now. And, uh, and so make sure that that is in place before you go on. So mm-hmm. it, it really is a detailed uh, uh, approach uh, almost reading every single word, which is why it takes me about fifty hours, and then I <laughs> complement those the the lectures with with visual slides. Yes, and yeah. and they then help make it become a, a more pedagogically appropriate uh, uh, understanding. So we have the text on one side, we have the slides on the other side, and then we have the the the, the lectures uh, accompanying that. Yeah, I watched, uh, these were on Vimeo, so I not only listened to you, but I, I watched the slides as well. Uh, some of our listeners might not be familiar with the big book. Some of our listeners perhaps have been long-term recovered addicts, uh, perhaps food addicts. And I want to make sure our episode is valuable to both. So the questions I've prepared, I think, will work for listeners of all kinds. And, uh, you know, we, we only have an hour here, so we don't have 50 hours. So <laughs> we're going to do the best we can to, to bring up some high points. And then if anybody wants more information, they can go to Esther's website. But as I mentioned earlier, I've listened to the lectures they, they felt a bit like a college course to me, kind of an academic approach. Let's make the case for professionals to use the big book in their practice with clients, very intellectual, very logical, rational. It's like, okay, this all makes sense to me. It, it felt like a, you know, kind of a college class. So in, at the Infact School, you're teaching counselors how to, how to use it to counsel their clients. Talk about this. This is uh, true. You're very insightful. Uh, one of my claims is uh, one size fits all. And so uh, there, there has to be a reason that these other 12-step fellowships have uh, come subsequently to the uh, uh, birth of Alcoholics Anonymous and then the publication of, of the big book. 
And uh, the different fellowships all have these uh, same 12 steps. The only uh, difference is the, the first step, which is the problem identification. So in, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they'll refer to alcohol. And then in Gamblers Anonymous, they will re- refer to gambling. But they're all wanting to use the same uh, 12 uh, steps. So then I build on the, uh, the understanding that I have gained that uh, the, the, the big book uh, has the original recipe. Mm-hmm. And since they didn't want anybody to change that, uh, then I use the original recipe regardless of what uh, 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 substance or behavior they are addicted to. And I'm able to, uh, to make that claim because it also states in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous that alcohol is but a symptom. Yes. So uh, that's my argument for uh, one size fits all. And then Mm -hmm. as uh, professional counselors, we can then uh, 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 tailor our lecture to the different uh, addictions, Mm -hmm. uh, but then use the original text uh, to to convey a specific point, and then we can extrapolate on that. And yes, it is a very intellectual uh, presentation, but in the introduction to the big book, they do claim it to be a textbook. Mm. And textbooks mm-hmm. are written by authors. Here we, they claim 101 or 102 authors. And then they're supposed to, uh, in a textbook, then present some information to the reader. And here they're talking about exactly what those first 101 and 102 did. Mm-hmm. So a question for you, how, how best do you think the big book can be used by number one, counselors, and then number two, people perhaps struggling with addiction? Well, for for counselors, this is where we then get our mandate. So uh, it, uh, as you saw in the lecture series, I presented as a as a standalone theoretical model. It has a problem statement. It has a solution statement. It tells you what to decide. It tells you what to do. Uh, it uses uh, uh, sixty three pages to sell the uh doing the work so it, it, it I, I oftentimes refer to it as a brochure mm-hmm. uh about selling the end result uh and so counselors i think uh, uh by using the textbook as it is written can then sell for the clients to actually do the work and so nobody is trying to reinvent the wheel and then as patients, they're only supposed to be duplicating what the authors of the big book uh, uh, wrote. And that's sort of where we get our, our, our mandate, because all the count- client is supposed to do is duplicate what those who wrote the book uh, uh, said that they did. Right. And therefore, yeah. we don't need new and improved since they said we don't want any uh, uh, new and improved. So what we're reading today in the fourth edition, that part that explains what to do and why is from the 1930s. 
Yes. So that means all the metaphors are from the 30s. That means all the pictures with words are from the 30s. And that means all the references are from the 30s. And therefore, a lot of counselors can feel like it's outdated. But once they've cracked the code, that uh, we really don't have a right to change it and then still call it 12-step, then they're able to... uh, uh, read out loud what is written, and then make appropriate uh, comparisons to uh, today. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is it is an incredible manual for addiction. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, you know, terminology and vocabulary that was used that would be from the 30s. Uh, it's often felt to be gender biased in favor of men are often referenced versus People or women. Women, of course, uh, can be addicted to substances or uh, behaviors, uh, gambling, for example. So, yeah, but you have to, I think, in recovery, you and, and as counselors, you have to look beyond that. And like you say, well, it, it's not just looking beyond it. It's if you want to use this book in right. treatment and it says that we don't want any changes to it, then, mm-hmm. then we have to accept. That uh, uh, that those are some of the limitations, but once you've cracked the code, then those aren't limitations anymore because right. it's yeah. it's just duplicating what they did, and whether they mm-hmm. did what they did in the in the action steps was because they were a man or a woman, uh, it becomes uh, secondary, and mm-hmm. so uh, we can help our clients uh, to to diffuse that frustration. And if you want to get frustrated, there's plenty to get irritated about. <laughs> and people yeah, the, do. And the question, you know, the, I think the point is, at least from my experience and what I've seen, is that uh, if you don't resist what's being said, uh, you're more inclined to use it for your, your recovery. Well, that's true. And, and, and uh, I, I have read some of what the critics write. Obviously, I haven't read everything. Uh, but oftentimes when I read what the critics write, uh, they reference the 12 steps hanging on the wall Mm. and they don't reference what is written in the book. So for example, step two, there are three chapters in the book that cover the content of the wording of step two. So Mm -hmm. when I work with counselors, I say never put up step two, never let the client see the wording in step two until after you've read three chapters, because then all those words make sense because it's put into a context. So when I read what the critics write, it becomes to me very obvious that they have not uh, studied those pages in the big book. They may have glanced mm-hmm. at it, but most of the critics just read what's written on the on the wall of those twelve steps. And maybe that's a uh, uh, something that that, uh, that that we could address very early in treatment. I know a lot of treatment centers have the steps hanging on the wall, and and so the clients mm-hmm. read that and uh, and already are becoming. Uh, Uh, scared and frustrated and critical prior to reading the book but if you read the book then uh then a lot of those uh uh, frustrations disappear sure uh let me ask you this question do you believe that uh this is a food addiction podcast do you believe that recovery from food addiction is possible without using 
a 12-step program. Without using. Well, right. uh, there's always going to be spontaneous recovery from any uh, uh, addiction. The problem is we can't duplicate spontaneous recovery. And so uh, uh, it, it needs to be, that's why it's this uh, how to use the big book, professionals applying it. There are other uh, uh, avenues that people can uh, pursue. Uh, my belief is that uh, uh, if we use what is written in the book in the manner in which I try to explain it and and in the pod or the the lecture series that you heard uh, that we're going to get greater results mm-hmm. we haven't done any research on uh, what is actually being conveyed people call themselves a 12-step treatment program but we don't know what that means and oftentimes, uh, as you and I had talked about prior to this, uh, uh, I have this issue about what I call two hatters. So those are people in recovery that also work uh, professionally, mm-hmm. and they they tend to want to convey what they did, <laughs> and uh, and that's yeah. uh, honorable and admirable, but uh, uh, that's not what we should be doing as counselors. As counselors, we should be getting the clients to duplicate uh, what the first 101 and 102 did. And therefore, it doesn't matter whether you're in personal recovery. And I find that they focus more on themselves as the messenger Mm -hmm. than on the message. And that's sort of one of my big pet peeves. And a lot of people criticize me Mm -hmm. for that and saying, well, you know, I should be able to, to share my own story. And I said, yeah, but then uh, the next counselor that comes in uh, uh, later that day or the following day, we can't say, well, we're on page 22, because then that counselor will know exactly what has been said, what's going to be said now, and what's coming. But Mm -hmm. if you use your own story, uh, it may not be as detailed and specific, and therefore we sort of go against why they wrote the book. They didn't want anybody to to uh, uh, represent them. And so when counselors do that, the two-hatters, they tend to go away. So I think we need to do more research on who is saying what. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, and if you stick to the big book and the instructions and so forth and not self-reference in terms of personal recovery, uh, yeah, I think that's what you're saying. You do counseling with GT Consulting. Uh, How do you use the big book in your counseling? How do you use the 12-step approach? Well, then I will, depending on uh, the the group, uh, I had one this afternoon, and then we would read uh, where we were from yesterday, and then we would read along today, and then we would have process groups uh, with it. So we would take uh, an example of uh, from uh, from the big book, from the uh, the first chapter called Bill's Story, where. Uh, uh, he's explaining some of the uh, the tactics he did to convey to his wife that he was uh, going to stop drinking, and and he uh, it says that he had actually uh, written down promises, and then we know from some of the AA history that he wrote those promises in a Bible, and and hmm. so then we would talk about the desperation that a person would have. N- the need to write in a Bible, and then you don't have to believe in the Bible, but the the idea that a man goes and gets a Bible to write to his wife that he's finished drinking is, is quite powerful. And then we'll ask, well, what have you done to convey to those around you? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so we so we take the impetus from the big book, the the words, the sentences, and then we ask clients uh, to uh, to then reference uh, what they have done. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, there, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot we could cover here, but I do want to bring up a couple of points from the big book that that the big book addresses uh, and have you talk about them. Um, In chapter two of the big book, the fourth edition, page 25, in a chapter called There is a Solution, it says, we have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. And it further goes on later to say, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. So how would you describe the fourth dimension to those who may not understand it? Well, that's a very good question, and it's always hard to sort of cherry pick uh, sentences from uh, from this book. And uh, uh, normally, I would say that we can't answer that until we've started at the beginning, and then we yes. get to that point. Right. And uh, I know that that would not be helpful in this uh, podcast to say that. Uh, but in uh, in the first chapter, they reference uh, uh, the fourth dimension of life as a metaphor for the uh, living in the solution. And so they use that as a type of marketing tool. Mm-hmm. And then they reference that uh, uh, several times. And so, again, clinically, uh, when I use the book and the counselors that I have trained, then that would be like a, a, a common thread throughout because they keep referring back to this fourth dimension and then they keep adding to it. So I, that's why I call it a brochure. So they spend 63 pages marketing then this fourth dimension. And, uh, and one of those aspects is that uh, one would not have dreamt of this. And so uh, it, it's used to be able to, um, uh, to give an indication of uh, what the client can expect based on what those who wrote the book actually got. Yes. And so right. that's the idea of the fourth dimension. I actually use that as a quality control question when people say that they uh, they know the 12-step program, and then I'll use that. What is then the fourth dimension? And nine times out of ten, they look at me uh, with uh, amazement, what are you referring to? Mm-hmm. And then I know that they are not using the big book because it does refer to it. Now, yes. the rocketing that you brought up is a very interesting point because uh, they had to add an appendix to the big book to, uh, uh, to, to, to alter how one gets into the fourth dimension. And there are two ways into the fourth dimension. One is uh, they call it through a rocket or a catapult. And the other way is uh, uh, based on uh, the, the psychologist William James, 
uh, who, uh, who did some research. He was the father of American psychology, the first professor at Harvard. And he said that most people uh, have these spiritual experiences as a result of doing something. So obviously we can't have a, a treatment program based on a rocket or a catapult, but we can have a treatment program based on doing something. So our mandate actually comes from William James. And that's another question I ask people. How does William James fit into this? And if they don't know that, then I know that, that they're not using the big book and then they're coming up with their own understanding and we're not mm -hmm. supposed to come with our own understanding. Yeah, the other section in the big book, uh, which is often used in, uh, in recovery programs, uh, the section called the doctor's opinion. Dr. Silkworth uh, renders an opinion, writes a letter uh, to the founders and uh, Talk about the doctor's opinion and why do you think it is important, an important section? I assume you think it's an important section of the big book for recovery from addiction. I mean, we may end the interview here if you don't, but, you know, <laughs> I assume you think it's a pretty important thing. So tell the tell the listeners about the doctor's opinion, the significance well, of it. Well, it. it is. And thank you for bringing that up, Susan, because, uh, uh, again, uh, there, there are oftentimes misunderstandings uh to uh, this uh, this uh, physician uh, william uh, uh, silkworth he um he had a theory uh, prior to meeting one of the founders of of aa uh, bill w uh, mm -hmm. that there was a two-pronged problem uh, there was something uh, physical that uh, prevented an alcoholic from drinking controlled consistently over time and that there was a mental component uh, that allowed them to start again even after they have written in the Bible that they were <laughs> not going to ever drink uh, right. again. And, and this is the basis for uh, uh, the, the understanding of the addiction. And uh, what I find interesting is, uh, uh, although I am not a, a medical person, my PhD uh, is, is in counselor education, I'm not an MD, but uh, from what I have gathered, the, the literature today is are, it's using different words, but they're explaining the same thing. We know that there is a physical component to addiction today, and we know that there is a mental component to addiction today. Unfortunately, Silkworth doesn't get the credit he deserves, uh, uh, but uh, those of us who, uh, who, who have an understanding of both schools uh, realize that uh, he... Uh, he, uh, he was on to something, and, and this was to dismay the, this notion of being bad. Mm. And uh, it was very, you're sick, you're not a bad person. Right. And uh, what's interesting is he wrote uh, uh, back uh, in the big book that there is no solution for the physical uh, uh, component, and that is equally true today, or we'd all be out of a job. So uh, <laughs> the... Uh, 
the 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 whole uh, program of Alcoholics Anonymous, the twelve steps, works on that mental uh, compulsion to start again, the mental obsession, and therefore we can apply it, the mental obsession to start again with alcohol, with food, food. Uh, with sex, with gambling, with Drugs. any one mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the uh, behavioral addictions or substance addictions, and then we're back to the one size fits all. Because right. it's uh, not starting again, and I know that it's very difficult for for those that uh, have a, a food addiction. And Esther has been very helpful in being able to explain that part. But we can set up this uh, uh, what is called abstinence also in food addiction. Mm-hmm. So once we've cracked that code, it's going to be abstinence from what uh, they are addicted to uh, within that context. Right, yeah. Now, we continue to have to eat, but I I think the abstinence with food addiction, of course, is uh, usually sugar, often flour, uh, trigger foods, volume eating, um, and then you get into anorexia and bulimia. It can be, you know, different different ways to use food. But um, I think the doctor's opinion for me, not to interpret, but uh, I think for many people, uh, that have been through recovery, it, it is saying that it's not our fault that when we ingest something like alcohol, like sugar, our bodies don't respond like other people. We're not normal in that way. We cannot have controlled drinking. We cannot have controlled eating around sugar and food, uh, certain foods. And uh, then it sets up this phenomenon of craving. And so we want more. And then the mental obsession begins. Like, I want cookies. I want candy. That's, that's what the doctor's opinion means to me anyway, that, uh, that I, it's not my fault, you know, and that I'm not a bad person because of this. Um, and that's why, I, you know, that's, it's, it's critical to, to the start of this. It, it is critical because there is a lot of of, uh, of guilt and shame uh, yes. that I'm a bad person, will a weak-willed person, and and, and then not uh, the understanding that you know, you're actually a sick person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still have to find a way to live life on life's terms so that the uh, the mental obsession does not become a reality. And that's what the action steps that you referenced uh, initially uh, actually do. They are a set of activities that uh, are able to uh, uh, relieve the uh, mental obsession to uh, to start again. Right. And when you read the big book, they're always talking about starting again, not initial use, but starting again. So they reference the first drink, and then with food addicts, we'll reference the first trigger food or the gambling mm-hmm. addict. She's going to put down $50. Uh, and so it's this starting again. And uh, uh, yeah. therefore, the whole 12-step program is exclusively designed on not starting again. Yeah. And therefore, we can extrapolate that and use the original recipe regardless of, of which addiction uh, uh, we're talking about. Right. Well, in the time we have remaining on the podcast, I'd like to take some time to talk about the steps, uh, the 12 steps uh, within the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, starting on page 58, how it works, chapter 5. 
and address them with you. Um, I can just say that uh, in steps one, two, and three, those are what I call the context steps. So okay. step one tells you where you are. There's no question mark. They tell you where okay. they were, the first 100 and 102. Step two tells you where they went where they ended up, and then step three is where they said that they made the decision to go from living in the problem to living in the solution. But they're still in the problem when they take that decision. And I oftentimes use a travel uh, a metaphor. Uh, you're at home, and you decide you want to go to another place. I always use Cape Verde because I met somebody from there that said, you need to go there, and I've never been there, but I want to go. Yeah. And then they describe it. So that's what I'm saying. They use 63 pages in the book to describe the solution, where you're going to want to go. And that's when they try to use that metaphor of the fourth dimension. They make it exciting. They tell you what they've gotten in hopes that you will then make the decision. But you can, you're still at home. You have the tickets. You know where you are. You know where you're going to go. But then you have to do, decide and then do it. Right, And then it's steps four through nine that move you from living in the uh, problem to living in the uh, solution. So it's... Yeah. Uh, let's, stop. It's let's stick with, uh, if we can, stick with steps one, two, and three, because, you know, if some... If, and then we're going to go to four and five, you know, four and five. I'm not going to read them, but um, so, the, so the listener can understand if, if he or she doesn't, you know, that that uh, when you come into, you know, the 12-step program as a way to deal with your addiction, um, that, that addicts have had negative consequences from our addiction. Food addiction recovery, for example, high blood pressure, diabetes, you weigh 250 pounds, uh, alcohol, drugs, financial problems, family problems, work, spiritual problems, legal. So there's some reason, you know, that somebody's coming into this. So step one is, um, and then step two, it's like, I, I give up. I, I couldn't do it. So talk about steps one, two, and three in that regard. Well, it, the, the, the consequences that you uh, uh, just referenced are a result of the addiction. Mm -hmm. So uh, this, uh, the, 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 the notion of not being able to control how much over a certain period of time consistently results in those consequences. And it's quite ironic because nobody comes to treatment because of the addiction. They come because of the consequences. Yes. Uh, and, <laughs> yes. and so that's sort of the way to come in to addiction is through the consequences. Then we share with them uh, this notion of the problem that causes those consequences, because a lot of people want solutions to the consequences, but then they won't get a solution to the addiction. And that's why we see people change addictions. And that's why we oh, need to keep the yeah. focus on then this mental obsession to start anew or find something else that causes that same uh, relief that mm -hmm. uh, that using uh, using does so right. uh, we start with the problem statement and then we go on to that there is then a solution to this problem 
And yeah. that's when they try to explain uh, that, uh, that, that this is solvable because most of our clients have oftentimes reached the point where they've not been able to solve it and they really don't think that it is possible uh, yeah. to, to do that. And therefore, this self-identifying with what is written in the book uh, makes it possible for them to say, well, listen, I, if he could do it and she could do it, then maybe I can do it. Right. And this is the marketing that I talk about in 63 right. pages right. uh, before they do it. And then they say, but you know what? We can't do anything about controlling uh, how much. We're just going to control uh, not starting again. Yeah. So that's what the steps then uh, then are about is yeah. is doing that, and then the last steps, the ten, eleven, and twelve, are then uh, what we call uh, the growth steps, the fourth dimension, uh, which is then a relapse prevention component. So uh, it it's to prevent relapsing back into the problem, and that's very fascinating. That three of the twelve steps are uh, relapse prevention steps, and unfortunately, we often see clients go through a twelve step program not reaching the fourth dimension, and then someone else is going to take over, and they use a different model, and mm -hmm. therefore, uh, I think uh, some of the uh, the the negative. Uh, 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 research results on the efficacy of the, uh, the program is partially our problem as professionals not uh, using uh, the same model continuously. Mm -hmm. And so we have this uh, different, different models coming in and out uh, yeah. is not helpful. It's one model right. from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I mean steps. Go back to steps one, two, and three, and we're going to go to the the work. You know, let's clean things up and see what the problem is in four, four through yeah. nine. Okay, uh, which you know, which uh, I've I've personally four through done. nine moves you from living in the problem to to living the in the solution. Right. So steps one, two, and three. You know, some people don't seek recovery because they feel as though they believe that. You have to believe in God. You have to have some higher power. You have to do that in order to recover. And the founders uh, have a chapter called We Agnostics. Uh, so it's not necessary to <laughs> believe in the traditional God or if, if there is one for any religion, right? I would speak to that. It's a, it's a very good question, and those are some common concerns and also part of the, uh, the, the criticism that, uh, that is uh, uh, used against this model. Again, uh, we're separate from the fellowship. Uh, this is a professional uh, application of what's written in there, but we also mm -hmm. have to uh, be uh, respective of the history uh, these 12 steps have come from the uh, Oxford Group Movement, which was uh, the largest uh, uh, religious movement in the uh, previous uh, century, and, and that's where they originated, but uh, uh, they were able to uh, modify uh, some of the understanding of uh, a god uh, not necessarily having to be the Christian God, which was the premise for the Oxford groups. Right. And it became a God of your understanding. And the, the, the whole uh, notion here is that as a result of doing these steps, you will gain an understanding. 
Mm -hmm. And most people want to have the understanding prior to doing the work, yet uh, it's the work in steps four through nine that then allow you the understanding. So that's why they try to market this again. I've never been to Cape Verde. Nobody would ever ask me to describe what it's like to be in Cape Verde. Uh, But everybody wants to uh, have an understanding of what it's like to be in the fourth dimension prior to going there but it's <laughs> after you get there and these are the the, the clinical uh, uh, codes that we have to crack with our patients uh, because they do want to have the understanding prior to doing the work rather than uh, the uh, the work providing then the understanding mm-hmm. so this uh, the the whole notion of a Christian God was dispelled. Uh, prior to the book being written, and that was actually what uh, what made it uh, palatable for yeah. uh, one of the co-founders, Bill W., because uh, uh, he didn't like uh, the the Oxford uh, group's understanding, mm-hmm. and and that was what a what was made it possible for him to do the work yeah. was that it wasn't a Christian, but it is still a non-human solution. So it's, yes. uh, so whatever that higher power is or God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it isn't anything uh, religious and uh, those are things we have to work on. Right. So spend a few minutes talking about the work, get the work steps, uh, and, and the solution steps four through nine. And there's a lot there. Uh, so we don't have a lot of time to address them, but you know, involve another person, you tell another person fears, resentments, and then character defects. And then you start saying you're sorry. And if I had to, it's like a summarizing, but, but talk about steps four through nine. Another way of looking at it is, uh, This mental obsession comes as a result of your emotions reaching a boiling point and either you want to celebrate or you want to console by starting again. And you've learned how to do that. So the steps four through nine is figuring out what is in your emotional barometer, how it got in there. Three of those steps are to empty what's in there, and two of those steps is to alter what comes in. So that's a much easier way to explain it so that people Mm -hmm. don't get caught up, because once you've read all the pages prior to those instructions, it makes sense because you've read the 63 pages of the brochure. Yeah. Uh, but by jumping straight to the to the steps themselves, it, it causes this misunderstanding, and that's again why uh, I, I've I've focused on how we can, as professionals, actually use what is written there in this clinical manner uh, to to help our clients uh, uh, be willing to do the work. Uh, without getting caught up in the wording, because it's the wording in the steps that has become mm-hmm. uh, very frustrating and scary. Yeah. Uh, but if you, uh, uh, if uh, it, it's it's interesting. Many times I have explained to other professionals what I do, and I never mention AA. I never mention the steps. Uh, I never mention a higher power. I just say, you know, this is what we do with the emotional, and they just look at me and they're in amazement. And it's I even have a book. 
that says uh, how to do it. And I said, this is one of the hundred most published books in the, in the history. And they said, well, what's the name of that book? Well, then I'm dead in the water. When yeah. I tell them the name of the book, then all these uh, 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 myths and misconceptions and criticisms come up. And and I do have to say that I think we could do a much better job in our profession if we focused on just using the big book yeah. and not these uh, not, uh, not your steps. own story. Yeah, your uh, own do story. Do that in the fellowship. Yeah, do that in the fellowship. Yeah. No, I I get it. Uh, but anybody listening that you know that is like, okay, what is food addiction? Uh, my problem with eating cookies and candy to the point where I weigh three hundred pounds have to do with any of this exactly and so so what i I guess what i would like to say to to them and uh, is you know when i you know when i got into recovery for alcohol and food i just said help me stop drinking i don't know what you people are talking about but help me stop drinking help me stop eating right and 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 that's that desperation it's the desperation the and negative we meet consequences. Them where we, are. we come in, and yep. then it's like, okay, here's what we've done. All these people that I'm seeing uh, have done this, you know, yep. and they have. So, what have you done to do this? And you know, part of it is subordinating an, subordinating an ego, so that you say, okay, I give up. I've lost my battle with this substance or with this behavior in a fair fight, right? So we we get to work and. Uh, so that's that's the four through nine, the action steps, and um, it's all in the big book, of course. Uh, but talk about as we wrap up at the end here. Uh, talk about you were beginning to talk about steps ten through twelve, very important steps. Uh, we continue to take inventory and make sure that we're not scared, we're not resentful at people, we're not being selfish. Um, prayer and meditation, and then service. I mean, talk about the the last steps of the twelve step program. Again, you're referencing the steps. Yes, and, I am. <laughs> and, and 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 again, that's that's sort of where I take issue, and it's good because it allows me to 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 make my point. Yeah. Uh, if, if we think of it as uh, there's three dimensions of a person's life that that has been broken. And then we're able to 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 mend those three dimensions uh, through uh, the first nine steps, and then in the fourth dimension, we're going to put a cast around those three broken dimensions that have been uh, set in place, so that now they can grow together. And I use broken bones as a as a metaphor. So you break your arm, you go to the doctor, she's going to x-ray it, and then she's going to set the bones before she puts on the cast. Well, that's what right. we do in steps uh, four through nine. It's uh, taking the x-ray and putting these uh, dimensions of a person's life back in in place, and then we put on a cast. And the cast is going to remain on the these three dimensions for the rest of the person's life in order for them to grow in, uh, in uh, uh, being able to live life on life's terms. And it's a yeah. very uh, a beautiful 
uh, a thing to offer. And and I wish that uh, counselors could start their professional work working with clients in the fourth dimension first, mm-hmm. then go back and work with clients in living in the problem. But yeah. uh, we seem to always uh, to train the counselors to start with the problem and then they never get to the solution and the yeah. fourth dimension. So right. I have a few uh, uh, ideas on how we can become better at uh, at using this model uh, in uh, in our professional uh, practice because sure. uh, once you've cracked those codes, Susan, it, it's absolutely amazing. And I know there are a lot of uh, people out there that have gained uh, uh, recovery, mm-hmm. durable recovery, and good recovery as a result of these steps. Uh, right. And, millions and, and, and millions we can do a better job. People. We could, yeah. yes. I, I, I'm sure of that. Uh, I believe you. Uh, last <laughs> question today. <laughs> last question for you as we wrap up. Uh, what would you say to the food addict out there, someone who might be using food in other unhealthy ways, not knowing how to stop when he or she starts, want to be free? How does that person become free? What would you say? Well, you have to uh, you have to seek help. Uh, very few people can achieve spontaneous recovery. And uh, thankfully, it's becoming more uh, acceptable uh, and more uh, uh, more approachable that one has different uh, different addictions. Seek help, and then let the helpers uh, tell you what to do. Uh, And if they then use the big book, uh, then it's going to be very easy for them to tell you what to do. Believe in the process. Uh, It is possible to recover, but don't change the original recipe. Right. And uh, uh, give up on yourself as your own solution, because if you look in the rearview mirror, uh, you have failed uh, over time. You may have had periods of uh, short recovery, uh, but you've not had sustainable recovery. So mm-hmm. it is possible. We we are there, and that's why uh, I'm so grateful that Esther Helga has this as part of her training for the professionals uh, because uh, the, they've gotten better at an understanding of the, the food addiction, and then they will gain a better understanding of this uh, solution of one-size-fits-all Mm-hmm. And and we can uh, we can use this book uh, as uh, professionals. Fantastic, yeah. Um, thank you, uh, Doctor Tovarud. I've enjoyed this. I've become quite inspired by your work and you and everything you do. Thank you for everything you do. And Esther and I appreciate you being a guest on the podcast today. Well, thank you very much for for having me. Uh, as you uh, as you can hear, uh, this is something I'm passionate about, and I really believe that we as professionals can do a much better job in helping those that uh, can't help themselves. So I'm That's I'm right. honored to be a part of this profession and being able to share this. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Susan. This is the Food Addiction Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned more about this disease. We hope you will rate and write a review on this podcast and share it with others. If you or someone you know is suffering from the disease of food addiction, there is a solution. The various food addiction recovery programs are available and listed on the website, 
theinfactschool.com. Or if you would like to know more about how to get certified in treating food addiction, the school is accepting applications now for its next training beginning in September 2023. Go to theinfactschool.com. That's I-N-F-A-C-T school.com to learn more.